0: You are listening to the Flourish to Seven Figures podcast with Monica Louie, episode number 42. Welcome to the Flourish to Seven Figures podcast, where we help online entrepreneurs grow their influence, amplify their impact, and scale their businesses all the way to seven figures. And now, here's your host, Monica Louie. Hey, hey, thank you so much for joining me for the Flourish to 7 Figures podcast. I'm Monica Louie, and I'm bringing you another insightful interview. Today's guest has achieved some incredible feats in her online business career, including earning $1.1 million in revenue in her very first year. And she's sharing them with us today. But first, if you're new to the podcast and don't know me yet— Then welcome, I'm Monica Louie. I'm a Facebook and Instagram ad strategist and I run a successful ads agency where my team and I manage ads for six and seven figure online businesses. I'm also the creator of Flourish with Facebook ads, my online training program that teaches my step-by-step system for creating campaigns that convert. My team and I have managed $2 million in ad spend and served more than 700 students and clients. We are in the trenches every single day, keeping a pulse on what's working now in the world of Facebook and Instagram ads. And while I teach a lot about Facebook and Instagram ads, the goal of this podcast is to discuss what it really takes to build a seven-figure online business. And that's why I love to bring you interviews with experts and successful business owners like my guest today. I am so excited to share with you my interview with Louisa Joe from louisajo.com. Louisa is the creator of the Employee to Entrepreneur system, which teaches people how to leave their day job and start their own six figure plus business working for themselves. She's helped thousands of students to launch their own businesses that generate anywhere from 30K to 100K in less than a year. Her advice has been featured in numerous online and print publications, including Forbes, Inc., Entrepreneur, Success Magazine, and more. And I'm so honored to have Louisa on the show. In this episode, you will learn how she started her Facebook ads consultancy as a side hustle and grew it so that she could leave her corporate job to become a full-time entrepreneur. The array of products, processes, and team structure that make up her multiple seven-figure online business that helps others leave their day jobs as well. Why she set the ambitious goal of earning $1 million in her first year of business and how she hit that goal out of the park, how her goals have changed over the years in growing her business. And we dive deep into the anatomy of an $800,000 launch. She shares the ad strategy she used, what worked and what didn't, including the various strategies she uses to maximize engagement throughout the entire launch. The promotion plan, how she promotes her launch, who she promotes to and when, why each launch is not a copy and paste of what worked last time and what she does instead, and how she seamlessly makes the pitch and the unusual length of time that she leaves the cart open for enrollment. And we go into a whole lot more in this interview. But before we dive in, I want to make sure you know that you can find all of the links and resources that are mentioned in today's episode at monicalouie.com slash 42. That's M-O-N-I-C-A-L-O-U-I-E dot com slash the number 42. All right, let's dive into the interview with Louisa Joe from Louisajoe.com. Hey, Louisa. Thank you so much for joining me today on the podcast. I am so excited to have this conversation with you.
1: Thank you so much for having me here. All
0: right. So I want to get started. I know we're going to dive into a whole lot that's going to bring a lot of value to the audience today, but I want to go back, tell everybody who you are and what you do today. And then I want to go back to your background of how you got here.
1: Yeah. So this is one of those things like, that Steve Jobs quote, you can only connect the dots looking back. Nowadays, I help people take their job and job skills, experiences, and turn them into their own online course or coaching or consulting business. But where I started was very different. So long story short, my last job before I went full-time into being an entrepreneur was working at a digital advertising tech startup and at that point, I had done some of the things I wanted to do in my corporate career. I had gotten a great salary, a certain role, and it just wasn't feeling like everything I thought it would be, and so were certain things. This was about seven years ago or so. There were a few personal things that happened to my family and my loved ones that made me feel like, okay, I really need to be more in control of my schedule so I can spend more time with the people that matter to me. And that's when I started about two to three year journey trying to figure out, okay, what business can I start? And through just a lot of testing and ups and downs, which I'm sure we'll talk about, I realized, well, I can take my job skills in doing digital advertising and help small businesses consult on their Facebook ads. And so I started doing that. I was able to build that business to six figures, replace my income and leave my job. And after I'd done that, people started asking me, Hey, how are you able to do all of this? How were you able to build a business while working a job, replace your income in a relatively short amount of time, everything that you had to do. And so I realized, well, yeah, it took me all this time to figure it out to all these failures and all this money and time invested and lost. And well, you know, I can, I can teach this. There's a gap here. I can bring a lot of value. And that started me on my journey now.
0: So then you started helping other people create that path to leaving their day job and being full-time entrepreneurs.
1: Exactly.
0: So you started off with Facebook ads consulting. So how long did you do that?
1: Yeah, I did that for quite a while. Before my business even took off, I was informally, you know, helping people with that for I don't even know technically how many months exactly, but it ended up being close to a year where I was uh, making money or trying to get clients with that.
0: And then I'm curious if there was something that made you transition away from that or did you just have this? you know, passion for helping other people yes. create the freedom for themselves? I,
1: I mean, I always knew that helping small businesses with Facebook ads was not my passion. It was something I was really good at. It was something I was paid well to do in my job, but I knew it wasn't going to be for forever. I just also knew though I liked it enough and I was definitely good enough at it to make it something that could be a a full-time business, that I wouldn't mind and hate my life that I was working on it. And so I said, all right, let me just go with it. My first goal is to do something valuable, provide value in a way that lets me leave my job. But in the back of my mind, I remember thinking all those years I had a test and before I even figured out my digital advertising business, I had done Microsoft Excel consulting, career coaching. And so through a lot of failures and mistakes. I remember thinking no one's talking about specifically building a business while you're also working a busy job and how to do it in a way that allows you to replace your income instead of making like, you know, a hundred dollars a month, which is not going to cut it. And so I remember thinking at some point, I'm going to want to share all of this with people. And it just actually happened faster than I had thought because people started seeing what I had done for myself and asking me.
0: Very cool. So as you made that transition, did you keep consulting and that as you started to figure out what that would look like to mentor others?
1: Yes. So I started with like, there was no big plan. Let me, you know, do a course or anything. It was literally, I mean, this was the same way I started my digital advertising consulting business, where when I started that business, I went out there, I started talking to people and actually how I got my first client in that business was I was giving this woman a lot of advice, free advice on her ads. And about after two weeks, she reached out, she randomly emailed me one day out of the blue and said, Hey, you've been giving me so much value. How can I hire you? And that's when I had to say, okay, give me a week. Let me go research it because I don't even know what I could possibly sell. And so it really happened in the similar way with starting my current business where uh, people were starting to ask me questions. I was answering them. And then someone asked me, hey, can you help me with this? And it was the same situation where I remember thinking, hey, if someone asking is asking, that means there's something here. So let me just run with it.
0: Awesome. So, well, how many years ago was that when you made that transition from Facebook ads consulting to helping other people make this transition become your full thing?
1: That that was about five to six years ago.
0: Awesome. So what does your business look like today?
1: Yeah. So my business today is very different. So, first of all, I've been, you know, working on this. I've been in this industry for about five to six years. So I've definitely built up a reputation, brand recognition, a lot of assets in terms of an audience, great right, courses, testimonials. And so it's massively different. Nowadays, I have a quite a few courses. I have, of course, my flagship employee to entrepreneur course. I have a courses on which we're gonna talk about uh, my launch strategy for how to create your course and launch it, uh, without affiliates, or even if you don't have a big list, I have a few other courses as well. And then I do have a high end, very intimate group coaching with me personally offer. And so what that has led to is at this point, a multiple seven figure business selling a quite a few key, uh, products that I just massively believe in.
0: Very cool. So you have this array of products that you sell and a multiple seven-figure business. And so I'm curious what your team looks like to help support you in all this.
1: Yes. So the cool thing about uh, really most online businesses like this is that the overhead is a lot less than Pretty much any other business that you can think of, and so nowadays, I well, I do have a good number of contractors. I don't have any full time employees aside from myself, and that has been very intentional from day one. I do have, you know, a few people for customer support. I do have a, a sales person. I do have copywriters, my site designer, developer, ads manager, a few other contractors. I'm sure I'm forgetting off the top of my head. So there is a quite a number of people who are supporting everything that we're doing, but cool thing is that because we're really straightforward, you know, I have these products, I know how they're delivered. I know how clients find me. I know what questions people ask before deciding if it's a good fit for them or not. What ends up happening is at this point, we've got really clear silos for who does what, really clear depiction of what the main functions are in the business, like marketing, sales, customer support slash operations, finance. And because of that, and because we've got really documented processes for every single thing from me recording a YouTube video to sending it to get transcribed to sending it to my person who does a video thumbnail to them sending it to the person who uploads it. There's a very set process, which allows us to like, we don't need a lot of meetings. We don't need us to spend a lot of time being managed or managing each other. It's really just, hey, do the cool stuff you like doing and enjoy your life.
0: Awesome. So, are all your contractors? Are they just part time? That I'm guessing. Yes. Very cool. Okay. So, I love that you have all those processes and those clear roles defined. And so, did you create that over time? I'm guessing that was an evolution.
1: Oh, it was such an evolution. So, again, I definitely want to make it clear that at this point, about six years into this business is why I'm here. This was not what my business looked like in year one or two or even three. This was very much something that while when I was starting this business, I knew this is where I wanted to get to, but each year moved me a little bit forwards towards it. So for example, year one, I was really busy establishing myself as a reputable teacher and coach and really building up testimonials, creating a really great product. Year two, I was really obsessed about creating the best course possible. My first flagship employee entrepreneur course. and year three I was really obsessed about okay, how am I going to set up a system for having people who find me learn more about my program and decide to invest in it if it's a good fit for them. And then about second half of year three was when I really started setting up the back end like delivery, customer support, adding in an ads manager, things like that. So it was very much an evolution over quite a few years.
0: Wonderful. I was just going to ask you, did you have specific goals for each year that kind of grew over
1: time? Yes. So each year I had a few goals. Each year was a revenue goal and then also a kind of systems goal. So in this business in year one, my first goal was to cross a million dollars in sales. It was very ambitious. I did end up crossing it. I did a little over 1.1 million my first year. And to really just get as many people as possible through my, my first version of my group program, which so employed entrepreneurs started as a group program, not a self-study course, and just really deliver the heck out of it. Get amazing testimonials, really create a splash and build my brand reputation. Then subsequently each year after that, I have set a slightly higher revenue goal and that's been the revenue goal, but also the other goals that I mentioned just a second ago, each year, those were the goals as well.
0: Right. So you have a very specific focus for each year. Like this is what our main thing for this year. Yes. Awesome. Okay. So you crossed the million dollar mark in your first year of business, which is phenomenal. I mean, we don't really hear (laughs) too many people accomplishing that feat.
1: Yeah, I Um, mean, yeah, I absolutely, I mean it was definitely, I was surprised. Let me just put it that way. It was mind blowing, but I always want a caveat because it sounds like, Oh, you know, she went from zero to a million. Technically I did in this business, but like we talked about, I had done another business. I had failed for like three years before that, before that I had also had some other business experiences that really taught me a lot. So it was not, you know, like an overnight success by any means.
0: So when you set that goal to hit a million dollars in your first year, did that feel like a stretch goal or was that something that you were like, this is happening and this is exactly how we're doing it?
1: Yes. So it was not a goal I set from the beginning. I'll tell you that right now. I mean, I grew up in a very... Middle class family, my parents are immigrants. So it was, you know, like, hey, six figure salary is the dream. So I could not even have imagined making a million dollars ever. So what happened was I set a series of goals. So for example, my first uh, program launch, I wanted to cross $10,000, did a little over that. Uh, No, no, I wanted to sell out, I think, 15 sales, which would have been about $8,000, did a little over that. My second course or program launch, I said, okay, cause I, I just, I'm really into the even number. So I said, okay, I did around almost 10,000. I know my strategy works. I know how to scale it. All right. Let me scale it to see if I can aim for a hundred thousand 10 exit. And so I crossed that And then I was also bringing on -on one-on-one clients at that point. So I'd done multiple six figures by then within this year. And I had one more program launch to go. And I started actually only thinking, you know what, what if I did $250,000 in sales? That would be really cool and a really big jump. And so I was just talking to some of my mentors and one of them said to me, Hey, you know, if you're really into the whole 10Xing things and you're, you're an engineer by training, you know, your numbers, you know, your strategy, you obviously know what you're doing. Why not aim even bigger? Cause you know, you enjoy doing that. And so I thought, Hey, all right, why not aim for a million dollar launch? So I didn't hit my million dollar launch, but that last launch I did that year ended up doing about $800,000 in sales. And so wow. in total, that's how I, I crossed over the million dollar mark
0: that is awesome. And so well first of all huge congrats <laughs> on that. And can you share about what the price point was of your products around this time? Did the price increase
1: with each yes, launch? Yes, absolutely. So I have always been focused on delivering really premium products versus, you know, trying to sell too many things for like $100. And so my first ever program was about 7 weeks and I charged I believe like $400 for it around there, three to 400. And after that, I started really beefing up my employed entrepreneur program and it started as a six month program. So that first price point, I believe I sold it around 2000, maybe around 2000, $2, And then the third time I launched it, it was a little bit higher. I believe I sold it for about three thousand yeah, I'm pretty sure it was on 3,000, 3, or so. And those were the, the price points that they were at.
0: Did you have any kind of like fear or nervousness around, you know, I'm raising the prices and I'm, you know, shooting for this bigger goal. Was yeah. there any kind of hesitation of like, this might not work?
1: Oh, absolutely. So two different things. I didn't feel any hesitation about the price I was charging because I knew how long it had taken me to learn everything. I mean, like we talked about, it was like three years of failure plus, you know, a year of my other business and just my, all my previous experiences. So I knew that, and I myself had at that point invested, I've maybe like a hundred thousand dollars in mentors and just teaching myself over the years. So I was like, I know this value is here. I don't no hesitation about that. However, what I was very nervous about was if I could actually reach those goals. There was, I mean, it was very scary. There was definitely risk involved and I could very well not have hit them. And so I definitely planned. I mean as I always plan with hoping for the best case, but also being prepared if I didn't hit them. Because in my mind, I was thinking, look, even if I don't hit, nobody needs a million dollar launch. If I do like $200,000 in sales, I'll still, you know, be very grateful. And so there was that nervousness. There was that reminding myself of, hey, be grounded. You know, it's not the end of the world by far if this doesn't go the way you want.
0: So do you have any kind of like mindset practice or like focus on... Your goals, or something to kind of like keep you grounded and just focus on what we need, you know, what we need to get done today.
1: Absolutely. So, there are a few things that I do. Whenever I'm setting a launch goal, what I'll do is, yes, I will, you know, set a financial goal. But what I found early on was if I just focus on the numbers, it just gets me so like in the weeds, like, oh, where, you know, how much have we done in sales? And like, just it's very stressful and uncomfortable. And so, what I quickly realized was, back into, well, how many people do I need to bring in into the program to be able to hit that revenue goal? Then what I'm able to do is really ground into, okay, I'm going to be helping 100 people, 200 people, whatever that number is. And that then I can wrap my head around, okay, what do I think the energy of this group is going to be like? Who are these 200 people going to be? How am I going to change their lives? And that is it just completely shifted the way I thought about my launches and really made it more fun. made my content better because I was like, okay, who's the person I'm going to talk to today? And that was a massive, massive shift. I think
0: that's really important because we can, I mean, you know, this is for some figures, you know, we're definitely talking about numbers, but I mean, the whole reason why we're building our businesses is to help people And we want to help real people. There are real people out there who need our help. We just need to make sure that we're getting in front of the right people. And so I think that's so important. I'm really appreciative that you brought that up and that became your focus. And I think that's something that we should all keep in mind is, you know, especially as we're, you know, trying to hit our targets, you know, who are the people that we're helping and who are the people that we're connecting with so that we can help them, whether they join our program or not. Exactly. So... Is your strategy now to continue to do these big launches or do you have evergreen funnels set up all throughout or is it a combination of both? I do,
1: it's a combination of everything. So at this point, I have a few different key things in my business. I have evergreen funnels for my main courses. I have up until like my last, I do once a year or once every two years, a big live launch. So I just did one last year. I'm probably gonna not do one this year. And I also have like mini launches, like I, as I like to call them quite frequently to my existing audience where I'll open a little, it won't be like as big a deal as my big once every one or two year launch, but it'll still be a, a launch where I'll share one of my other courses. And then from time to time, I'll open my high end, uh, intimate coaching program as well.
0: Can we talk about launch strategy with your big, big launch? Absolutely. I would love to know what that looks like. So what is the overall launch strategy? What is the time period building up for the big launch? How, you know, how long does it last? Can you kind of share all those details about the overview of what it looks like? And then I'd love to get into the nitty gritty.
1: Yes. Okay. So, all right. So there are um, quite a few things for us to cover. The first, let me go over the kind of high level strategy for this, which is that What I do is a challenge leading up to a webinar, and then I have a cart open. And my card open period for the launch usually lasts quite a few weeks, anywhere from about three to five weeks. And I'll explain why I have that time in, in just a second. Back to the challenge though. So I started doing challenge launch really at the very beginning. And this was years ago before challenges became super popular. And I do them in a different way that makes them super effective. So the original story behind this is I was doing my first launch when Periscope was super hot and everyone was on it and actually originally going to do a video sequence launch, like a very traditional video one, video two, video three card open. However, what happened was I invested about $3,000 with a video team and the videos they sent me were just so bad. Like the lighting, everything, it just looked completely unprofessional and ridiculous. And I didn't have any additional funds to invest in that. And I didn't have time to redo it either. So basically out of necessity, I thought, okay, what can I do that is going to still help me do this launch? Well, and what ended up happening was, I realized, okay, well, I mean, live streams via Periscope are basically the same thing as videos. So I can definitely do this. And if I focus on doing these live streams one a day and people love my live streams right now, anyways, it'll replace having to do the video. So if then how do I make people want to show up to the videos every day? Well, I can do something where I have daily prompts and the, the video teaching is just something that supports the prompt. And so that's the challenge. Now, there are a few other things that I do differently, which really maximizes engagement and ultimately sales. So the first thing is I have a, a challenge theme where there's an overarching theme and a point to the challenge. It's not like just, hey, we're going to do these random things every day. And so the theme I've used these past few years is called the Weekend Empire Challenge where I sh- share with people, "Hey, look, you can start get started with building your business by just starting on the weekends like I did. I'm going to show you how. And even during the week if you only have 15 minutes a day, I'm going to show you how to get started." And so that was the theme for my entire challenge where most prompts except for some on the weekends can be done in 10 to 15 minutes. Then I would do a point system where to really like make it fun and give people an incentive where I would say, look, if you do today's prompt, you get this many points. If you share this prompt on your social media platforms, you get this many points. If you show up live to the live stream, you get this many points. And then what I would do is I would have a prize where at the end of the, the challenge, and my challenges usually last seven to 10 days, I would say, Hey, if you have the most points out of any of the participants, you get a free seat in my program if you don't have the most points, but you participated every single day, then I'm going to enter you into a raffle to win this other cool prize. And over the years, I've tested different things. One year, it was a year of lead pages. Another year, it was 10 hours with a virtual assistant. And so what that did was it really gave people an incentive to show up and to connect with me. Because what I would do is also, I would say, hey, Put your answers into my Facebook group. I will personally respond to every single response and really help people get a feel for me versus, oh, this is just another course creator who is sharing some video content and not bothering to actually get to know me as a person. So I would get to know them. And then on the live streams, I would talk to them even more. And so all of those elements combined really got people excited about my program where at the end of the challenge, I'd say, Hey, I'm going to wrap up the challenge with a finale, AKA the webinar. I'm going to share some cool details that really wrap up everything we've talked about. and I'm going to open enrollment for my program. And so that just creates this amazing excitement, this triggering event that leads into my cart open. Okay. So let me take a pause here and get your thoughts, any questions yes. coming up.
0: Okay. No, I appreciate you breaking all of this down with all the detail. I am taking so many notes. So when are you seeding or when are you letting them know that this finale is coming? Is that something that they know when they get this, you know, when they first sign up for the challenge or yeah. are you kind of, you know, how right. how are you seeding that? And then also, when are you starting to mention open enrollment is coming?
1: Yeah. So two separate things. I start mentioning the finale about halfway through. So usually on, if it's a 10 day challenge on day four or day five, where I'll say, Hey, here's today's thing. Make sure also you have the finale on your calendar because that's when I'm going to be revealing the winners and all this awesome stuff. So starting from halfway through, I will start speeding for my program itself from day one. So for example, if day one, often I'll like take a PDF directly from my program and have uh, participants work through it. And so I'll say this is taken directly from my awesome employed entrepreneur course, which at this point has helped over a thousand people do these amazing things it's just so that people start getting excited for it and knowing that, yeah, Hey, this is awesome free content. You of course don't have to buy from me. However, if you want my whole end-to-end system, I, I do have one. It's called Employee to Entrepreneur and you can get access to it at the end of this challenge.
0: Wonderful. Okay. And then for each day, you say you typically do it for seven to 10 days. How long are your live streams?
1: Yeah. So the prompts themselves take about like I said, most of the time, 10 to 15 minutes. Now the live streams over the years have gotten longer as my audience has gotten bigger. So when I first started my challenge live streams were maybe like 20 to 30 minutes where I would get on, I would teach for maybe 10, 15, 20 minutes, to elaborate on the, the prompt, but then spend a lot of time just answering questions because the value for those live streams isn't just in teaching more information. It's actually in answering the questions people have and just giving them specific feedback on how to apply that information to themselves. And over the years though, like for example, last year, my live streams ended up being close to two, two and a half, three hours, simply because I just, at this point have, you know, like I have 22,000 people view my first live stream. So there's just a lot more engagement and there's more people asking questions. So it's more a function of that than just me talking for a certain period of time.
0: So you mentioned that you know, initially you started off with Periscope. I remember those days. Mm -hmm. And so now you're, are you doing Facebook live in your Facebook group?
1: Yes. So my live streams are on Facebook. I prefer doing my live streams on my Facebook page because not everyone is in my Facebook group.
0: I see. Okay. So, but you also have a group for engagement during the challenge.
1: Yes. Got it.
0: And then I'm assuming then you share the live stream from your page into the group.
1: Absolutely.
0: Okay, perfect. So now leading up to the launch, how are you promoting the launch? How long are you promoting the launch and what are your methods for promotion?
1: Yes. So I usually start promoting my challenge about 3 weeks in advance. And there's a certain way I do it. So keep in mind my background was in digital advertising was in cold, getting cold traffic through paid means. And so what I would do is I would start running traffic, um, paid Facebook ads, Three weeks in advance. Now, of course, it's not just like, hey, sign up for my challenge. You don't hear from me for three weeks, and hey, we're starting. I would set up a sequence where anyone who joined would basically get an email either every other day or even more frequently from me leading up to the challenge to share some valuable information, get them excited about the challenge, uh, just really keep me top of mind and really give people a chance to get to know me a little bit better leading up to the challenge. To my existing audience, I would promote it a little bit uh, closer to the beginning because you know they don 't need that much time about a week to, uh, before the challenge starts, I would start saying hey i 'm doing my challenge, come and sign up for it this is what you're going to get so on and so forth and same thing on uh, like in my whatever social media accounts I had at the time you know now it's instagram Facebook um, Yeah. Those are my two main social media channels. And I would just say, Hey, you know, same thing, join my challenge. So it was really like in the very first time I ran my challenge, it was all, it was mostly organic. I'm just trying to think. Yeah. It was mostly organic, me just promoting on Facebook and saying, Hey, this challenge is going to be amazing and really promoting the challenge itself, asking people who join the challenge to share with their friends. And then as time went on and I knew my numbers better and better in terms of I can afford to spend this much per subscriber on cold traffic, so on and so forth, then I started increasing the amount that I was spending on uh, paid ads.
0: I see. Okay. So for paid ads, then that's for primarily cold traffic and you give yourself a three week window so that you can do some testing, I'm guessing during that time period. Exactly. And have you found or does it change from year to year or from launch to launch as you've done this, that there's a certain type of creative or ad format that converts best Or does that change every time? Yeah, it's
1: so interesting. It changes every single year. Every year that I do a launch, we'll start planning the ads for it, maybe like two, maybe even more months in advance, where we'll just sit down, we'll start brainstorming. All right, what worked really well last year? Of course, we'll try it again this year, but we're not going to expect it to work well again (laughs) because it just never does. And so we'll spend a lot of time brainstorming new angles. Well, I mean, the creative... Like in terms of text or video, there's only so much. Most of this time for the past few years, video has worked better for, for me. That's been pretty consistent. But for example, like from my first launch to my second launch, to my third launch, the angle that has really appealed to people has been vastly different. So just to give you an example, my launch last year, the angle that worked the best, like we use as a control the best performing campaigns from the year before. But what completely blew all of our other tests out of the water was just a video of me holding a shirt that said Princeton, because that's where I went to college, and saying, hey, I went to Princeton, all I got was this T-shirt. And then I explained <laughs> the idea behind it and it explained my challenge. And that was by far our best-performing ad. And I mean, hindsight is 2020. 20, so I have theories now for why it did so well, but this was one of those tests where we just were, we weren't even expecting it to do that. Well, we were just like, you know what, this is a fun idea. Let's try it and see how it does.
0: That's awesome. No, I really love that. And I can definitely see, you know, that it's entertaining. It grabs attention and it kind of draws you in. You're like, you know, well, why is she saying
1: that? <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs>
0: So then does that have more of like long form text to kind of tell a little bit about your story and then yes. introduce the challenge and what they're going to expect out of
1: it? Yes. So for the majority, that is a really good point. For the majority of my text, whether or not they have video or are text only, we do go with long form text just because, you know, there's so many people advertising nowadays. It's so easy just to see yet another ad and just gloss over it. Whereas I found that if I share more details, especially I mean when I started, I shared my story so people could tell, hey, this person is real. These are details that I relate to. And then as I build more credibility, I have more credibility to share. So I would say things like, look, I've helped you know over a thousand students. My challenge, like this past year, we were able to say, look, over. I think about 20,000 or 30,000 people have gone through this challenge and gotten amazing results. And so I'll always be focusing on details and stories that really show, hey, I'm legit. I'm not just throwing up an ad to try and make some sales. There's always something there. And I want to emphasize, even when I was starting out, it was my story, like how I did this so that people can see, oh, I, I can believe this. There's enough believability here for me to be interested and give you enough of my time and trust to opt in and look out for the challenge.
0: So, and then what kind of audiences are you testing?
1: Everything. So, I mean, at this point, I do have a really large lookalike audience because of all the data that we've gathered over the years. So we'll always start with our lookalikes, right? site visitors, email subscribers, people who've engaged with my Facebook page, anything like that, we'll start there. We do also test uh, new audiences. Basically, it's whatever we can think of. This is another one of those like things we'll brainstorm. Are we going to test certain interests? Are there different types of lookalikes that we can target? Like Anything that we can think of, we'll just It's not like randomly throwing, you know, spaghetti against the wall, but we'll have a list and we'll just go through it methodically because again, the audience each year that resonates best differs as well.
0: I love that. Now, that's exactly what we do. I mean, I, I love lookalikes. They're my favorite type of audience when it comes to wanting to grow your brand and yes. you, you know get more eyes on your brand. And so we test all of those as well. Do you ever mix and match? So you'll take this lookalike audience and then exclude these people or take this detailed oh, targeting absolutely. audience and then exclude these people yes. so that you get the right the right people who are going to be able to afford your program
1: So we have tested exclusions in the past. Like, I mean, we've tested, you know, income, we've tested interest, we've tested zip codes. At the end, what we found was while we do test combinations based on like lookalikes and interests and things like that, it's just really at this point because um, Facebook has spent so much time and gathered so much data optimizing their own algorithms. It just works best for us when we have like a larger Of targeting set versus trying to get too detailed.
0: So are you targeting primarily the United States or are you targeting other countries as well?
1: There are. I mean, we target the U.S. much more heavily, but there are a few other places. So for example, Canada, Australia, the U.K., New Zealand, where else? Those are, yeah, those are the main ones. We have tested other places like Hong Kong, Singapore. Those have done okay for us, but we do focus on a, on a few core places.
0: Got it. And so for the size of audience, since you're targeting the different countries, are you, well, are you separating those out? So you're targeting, this is purely a lookalike in Canada versus a lookalike in the United States. Yes. Or are you combining those?
1: We do. We, we will test both actually.
0: Okay. And so for, you mentioned larger lookalikes, are you like, what percent of lookalikes are you, are you
1: using? We normally stick with the the 1%.
0: Okay. Awesome. I love that I can ask you all these nitty-gritty detailed questions since you've been uh you know in Facebook ads. That's your background. And so I love getting this specific because we can, you know, talk more generally about ad strategy, but I love that you're open to sharing this. So I appreciate that.
1: Absolutely. Yes.
0: So, and then have you, I'm assuming you've tested Instagram story ads, have those performed well for you or do you have any kind of advice or, you know, learnings from testing there?
1: Yeah. So on our last launch, we tested Instagram, we tested YouTube and surprisingly Instagram did not do as well for us. You know, I don't really even have any theories. We just did so much testing and we just follow the data. So what we saw last year was that actually YouTube performed really well. Yeah. I don't want to just share my random theories, but my theory is that it wasn't as saturated as Facebook. And so we were able to reach a slightly, not saying that Facebook is oversaturated, but just slightly less. We were able to reach some audiences that hadn't seen as many ads before and were just even more excited about the possibility. They spent a little bit more time researching me beforehand. So there was even more trust. And um, just the, the fun video angles that we came up with, like that Princeton, t-shirt example I shared really lent themselves really well to the YouTube video format.
0: Wonderful. Okay. So, well, I appreciate you sharing that. So we've talked about, you know, bringing people in, into the challenge and then going through the challenge, what that looks like. I do have a question before we move on to the open cart phase. So your audience is primarily wanting to leave their day job to build a business. Themselves, and so when it comes to you mentioned sharing, you you incentivize people to share the challenge. Have you found that people are hesitant to do that because they're not quite ready to let it be known amongst their coworkers or you know boss perhaps that is you know a Facebook friend? Have you encountered any challenges there?
1: So yes and no. It really varies from person to person and their specific situations. So we've definitely had a, a quite a good number of people who fell into that bucket. They weren't, didn't want to share it with their friends and family. They didn't want to let their boss know. And so you know that's totally fine. You don't need to share. But we also have people who are just like, you know what, I'm good. You know, my boss is supportive of me having the side business. My family and friends are supportive. And so I'm just going to share all over. So it's just a very wide range.
0: I see. Okay. So then when, so then you're seating, you have the webinar. Is the webinar also live streamed in on your Facebook page or is that a separate call to action? Go register here.
1: Yeah. I've just really found a more closed environment where it's open and closed beginning of webinar end of webinar. It's not on like a social media platform. So nowadays I use zoom for example, to host my live webinars and to have it be like a separate set open and closed event.
0: And so then you send your challengers to the registration page, or are they automatically registered for the webinar?
1: registered because I really here, this is really key. I don't position the challenge in the webinar as two different things. The webinar is the finale to the challenge. So it's like, look, if you participated in the challenge, of course, you're going to want to complete the whole thing because the finale like shares even more information and details that we kind of covered in the challenge, but really wraps it up in a different way. And just, it really wraps up the challenge itself as well.
0: So then are you running ads to make sure, like to remind people that the webinar is happening at this day, at this time? Are you doing anything with ads at that point?
1: Yes. So not a ton of ad spend on that, but we will spend a little bit just to let people know, like you said, Hey, finally's coming up. It's at this time. Are you coming? Just a very small amount on that.
0: And did you test video versus static image or what have you done there?
1: Yeah. So for that, we didn't do any testing this past launch because we had tested it before. So we, this, this past launch, we just stuck with pure text. Hey, it's happening. We did do some, well, I guess these are really technically videos where I had maybe like a me pointing at my watch or something like, you know, like a a short loop. Exactly. Like a boomerang or short loop, uh, whatever you want to call it. To really just kind of grab people's attention, but it wasn't like a long video.
0: Awesome. I love it. That little bit of movement. So that little loop in the video, whether it's a boomerang or just, you know, a GIF even, that can really help to grab attention in the newsfeed. And especially, you know, they've been engaging with Louisa and the challenge that that's going to grab their attention as they see her, you know, pointing at her watch and that little bit of movement in their newsfeed.
1: Yes, exactly.
0: So then from the webinar, then you say enrollment is open. How do you position that on your webinar?
1: Yeah. So again, everything is just so smooth. I really work hard to minimize any points of friction so that one thing naturally transitions into the other. So it's like, look, the challenge and this finale really got you started. And, you know, the really cool thing is over the years, we've had people during the challenge, get their first paying clients, get massive clarity on their business ideas. And so they see the results in their, like in front of their very eyes. So there's massive proof in that. And so we'll say, Hey, look, you're seeing this happening, but let's be honest. You can't build a business in seven to 10 days. It's just (laughs) impossible. And so um, there's so much more to learn. There's so much more to do if you're really serious about going from employee to entrepreneur, let me share with you my entire process. And here's the process. If you want my help with it, if you want all the details, here's my program.
0: And then how long is your open cart? You mentioned three up to five weeks. Yes.
1: So the thing with this is, I want to clarify because people always ask, do you do the open cart for longer because people need more time to decide? No, that's not why we do that. So during the open cart, and this goes back to my like very first launches where I didn't have a big existing audience. And so if I wanted to hit big goals, I needed to massively grow my audience during my launch. And so I would do a longer cart open so that I could drive more ads, more traffic to other events that I was hosting during the cart open. So basically it gave me more time to drive more traffic. That is the point. If I hadn't had this specific reason, if it was just do a challenge, share with that challenge audience, then I would keep it to about two weeks or so. And so what I did do is during the car open, I'll always have some other events that drive more people. So I started with driving webinars. So I would have like one webinar a week during the card open where I would be talking about a different aspect of the program and then giving people an invitation to join at the end of the webinar. Last year, for the first time ever, we did something different. It was cool. I did a second challenge. That was the first year I've ever done a second challenge and stacked them. And so that worked really well for us as well.
0: And so with the webinars, then you're inviting people to opt in and then to join the program. Are you giving them any kind of some like urgency or like this bonus is going away for them to you know, act now?
1: Yeah. So sometimes I would, and sometimes I wouldn't. I just tested them over the years. So for the majority of my webinars, I would say, hey, look, if you join before the end of the webinar, you get this. And so, you know, very traditional kind of fast action bonus. This past year, I'm trying to remember, I don't believe I did webinar. I did do a few webinars. It wasn't as many as in previous years, but I did do where I would say, look, I've got this bonus expiring. So let's say I did my webinar on Wednesday. I would say I've got this bonus expiring on Saturday or Sunday, and I want you to be aware of it. So there was less urgency directly on the webinar, but I did promote the replay heavily so that when people got around to watching it within the next day or two, they would know that, okay, I have until Saturday or Sunday if I want to get this bonus.
0: And are the replays for the finale webinar and the post-finale webinars, are. do those expire? Do those go down at any yes, point Yes, they
1: absolutely do. So I've done different things over the years. I've done all webinar uh, replays up until the cart closes. So for the, that entire three to five week period, it's always up. I've done 48 hours. Uh, ex- replay expires after 48 hours. I don't remember the s- exact thing that we did this past year, I believe, but I could be wrong. So caveating that, I believe that we had the webinar replay available until the bonus that it talked about expired.
0: That makes sense. Okay. So, and then are you promoting the replay obviously to your email list of people who opted into the challenge and then also in the Facebook group, but are you also sharing that with your broader email list? And are you running ads to it?
1: Like whenever I do a full out launch, everyone in my existing audience will know about it. They'll get all the content, all of it.
0: And then are you running ads for the replay to the webinars?
1: It depends on the webinar. So I will run ads to the uh, challenge finale. But okay. for some of my other replays, because the, the time in between is so short, you know, it might just be like two, three, four days. Then right. we won't because we'll be focusing on, you know, talking about the program itself or promoting the next webinar versus the, the replay. Got it.
0: Okay. So, and then you added the second challenge. So I want to come back to that. So at what point in this three to five week time period did you offer the second challenge? And when did you start mentioning that and inviting people to that?
1: Yeah. So what we did last year was I had a second challenge about two weeks after the first one ended. So in between those two weeks, I didn't spend a lot of time to my existing audience promoting the second challenge. What I did was in the few days leading up to the second challenge, that's when I started telling my list, Hey, if you missed the first challenge, it's okay. I'm for the first time ever, I'm doing it a second time in this launch sequence. And so if you missed it and you want to catch up, all right, here it is. Then I promoted I did promote it heavily to brand new cold traffic to drive them through the challenge.
0: Got it. And so it was basically just the same challenge taking them through the 7 so to 10. it was ten.
1: actually yes, was it no, it was okay. slightly different. So my first challenge was 10 days. My second challenge was only 7 days and I positioned it slightly differently as Hey, this is the jump start, the weekend empire jump start, it's slightly you know shorter, faster, and that way, for people who missed it the first time, it was, it was slightly easier for them to catch up
0: and when you're doing the live streams, are you making sure to schedule those? later in the day so that people can catch them after work? Are you doing it during the day as well?
1: Yeah. So this is one of those things where this was not based on any optimized or database decision. It was, when am I going to have the energy to do these live streams? And for me, I cannot do later in the day because like having to do that seven days, 10 days in a row, every day later on in the day when I'm not, you know, like I might be tired or something, just (laughs) <laughs> it's not doable. So I schedule all of my live streams earlier in the day at around 10 to 11 in the morning.
0: Got it. Okay. So then you announce open cart on the finale, and we've got other events happening all throughout. And I'm assuming you're also running ads about the program itself that the cart mm-hmm. is open. Are yes. you ever at any point in any form of communication telling people how long they have that the cart is open?
1: Oh, all the time all the time. So, well, let me take that back. For the first, I would say two, three weeks or like a third or 30 to 40% of the launch. No, I would say 20 to 30%. We are focused more on whatever I'm promoting. So whether it's a webinar, a second challenge, whatever that is. Then after that next big thing, like that first webinar or that second challenge is over, then we shift to, okay, you only have this amount of time until the program closes.
0: And so you decide that ahead of time, or do you Always determine ahead of
1: time? yeah, okay. because so I mean, my first few launches were definitely fly by the seat of my pants, write my email the the day of you know throw up the ad like a few days before, and just hope everything comes together because I mean that's how you <laughs> that's how you get started. nobody has a perfect first few launches plan, but at this point, I mean pretty much all of our ads, our campaigns, my emails are planned beforehand. So we know exactly what's going out when and when the cart is closing.
0: Got it. Okay. So wonderful. So do you, what about the open cart or, you know, enrollment is closing kind of ads? Did you see any kind of learnings there as to what works best or what converted best?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, those were really pretty straightforward. We didn't have any big ahas that were different from previous years. It's really focused on, hey guys, this is closing. You know, we'll, I mean, this is pretty standard. We'll drive testimonials, say, hey, so-and-so look here, card is closing. What else? I mean, we did have fun with the same type of video loop stuff where I might, like we, we did some fun ones where maybe I was like, had a big like wall calendar with the numbers like 7, 8, 9, 10, or I mean 10, 9, 8, like a countdown calendar, depending on how many days were left, uh, fun things like that. But nothing that really stood out or was different from previous years.
0: And then for that, are you also targeting your entire warm list? Absolutely. Okay. Wonderful. Any other, I mean you know, in the final day, final hours, did you do any kind of like final live stream in the group, any kind of, you know, final push to get people to get off the fence?
1: Mm, yeah, I'm trying to remember. I must have. I don't remember specifically, but usually in about the last week or so, I will do more ad hoc random live streams, you know, just surprise pop-ups, things like that, just to make sure, hey, I want to make sure I get your attention and let you know this is closing.
0: So with all of this, I mean, we're, you know, several weeks in, you mentioned your energy that you do the live streams when you have the most energy during the day. How are you keeping your energy up to engage with everybody in the group and bring in more people and get their questions answered throughout this entire long launch?
1: Yeah. So this has definitely been a process getting to this point, but at this, and again, caveating my first few launches, it was kind of like, look, let's just do this. And I mean, my launches back then were, you know, less well-organized, they were shorter. And so I did what I could back then. But at this point, I know, look, I'm not going to spend my time or energy doing day of things like writing an email or creating focused content. All that's going to be done before we even open the ch- start the challenge. And so my only focus during the challenge and the card open is to engage with people. That's like my entire job. And so that way... I get to focus all my energy on that. If there's a day where I'm like, you know what? I need to take some time off, which I built in as well into my launch calendar, then I'm able to do that versus trying to switch gears between uh, talking to people, writing another email, updating some ad or something. No, like I only do the things that can only be done during the launch, which is talking to people.
0: Awesome. So everything else in your business, because you have the systems and the team in place, then everything else is just running on its own. And so that you can focus on the one thing that you need to work on. Yes. I love it. Wonderful. Any other insights or anything that we missed that we should talk about?
1: Hmm. You know, I mean, I'm sure there are some things, right? But uh, we were just super thorough. So I'm very happy with all of the things that we covered.
0: Well, I really appreciate you being so open and sharing all the details. I mean, this is incredible. So I really appreciate it, Louisa. So any parting words for our audience today?
1: Yeah, the biggest thing, which I really tried to uh, stress throughout our conversation is that start where you are, right? I mean, we just share this really detailed launch strategy plan, it's the result of years of iteration. And so when I started, like I said, it was nowhere near close to this. I just had a challenge, did my best wrote some emails day of, and really focused on the value I could bring instead of like fancy strategies or ads or uh, anything like that. And that's what made the most difference, right? That personal engagement, that focus on value, that really having a great product instead of all the complicated stuff. Yeah, that will boost your sales down the road. There's a time and place for it. But uh, wherever you are, start with what you've got, focus on those core things I mentioned. And that's really the most important thing. These other things are just gravy, like they're bonus things to add when you feel good about adding them.
0: That's great. No, I I appreciate that reminder because but I love the advice of start where you are, because we're not all gonna start here with, you know, a three to five week open cart with another challenge,
1: you know, right. (laughs) (laughs)
0: But I love also you being so open so that we can see what's possible and it can spark some ideas if we're, you know, wanting to create more engagement and the sharing and bring more people in. I appreciate you sharing that, all of that. So can you please let everybody know where they can find you, where they can follow you on social and all the things?
1: Yes, absolutely. So uh, the best place to connect with me is I am the most active through emailing my peeps. So to get on my email, to really learn more updates from me and learn about my different programs, the best place is go to my website, louisajoe.com. I do also have a specific gift. It's a PDF on how to build your own online six-figure coaching business and go from employee to entrepreneur. And that's at luisajo.com. Gift. I'm going to spell it really quickly because my name is not uh, spelled the way it sounds. It's L-U-I-S-A-Z as in zebra, dot com slash gift. So that will get you the PDF and then just add you to my email list so you get my emails. And then I'm also really enjoying Instagram right now. So I'm at Instagram.com slash Joe. And then finally, I do share weekly, really great video content on YouTube. And my channel is Louisa Joe. So very simple and, and consistent.
0: Wonderful. And we're going to put all of those links in the show notes so you can find those very easily. But thank you again for your time and your openness. I really appreciate you sharing your journey and your entire launch strategy with us today. I really appreciate it.
1: Oh, so my pleasure.
0: Did you geek out over all the details that Louisa shared as much as I did? I don't know about you, but I am truly inspired. I wanna give a huge thank you once again to Louisa for coming on the podcast and sharing all of her insights with us. I absolutely loved this deep dive into the anatomy of her $800,000 launch. I would absolutely love to hear your biggest takeaways from this episode. Share those with us in the comments at com slash 42, or tag Louisa and me on Instagram. I am at Flourish with Monica, and she's at Louisa.joe. That's L-U-I-S-A dot Z-H O U. You'll find all the links and resources that we mentioned in this episode at monicalouille.com/slash 42. And thank you so much for joining Louisa and me today. If you are ready to scale your business with Facebook ads, then check out my free Facebook ad starter kit. You can find that at monicalouis.com slash guide. The starter kit takes you through the six steps to creating campaigns that convert. Plus there's an awesome checklist so you can make sure you've got everything you need before you jump into the ads manager if you're like me, then you love a good checklist. And if you're interested in learning more about how my team and I might be able to help you with your Facebook, Instagram, or Pinterest ads, go to monicalouis.com WWM. We have information there about our services. As I mentioned, I'll have all the links and resources that we mentioned today in the show notes, which you can find at monicalouis.com slash 42. And if you found this helpful, please leave a rating and review so that more people can find this podcast and subscribe so that you can be notified when the next episode comes out. Brand new episodes come out every single Thursday. And next week, I've got another special guest interview heading your way. So subscribe so you don't miss it. My guest is a veteran entrepreneur who has built and sold several seven and eight figure online businesses, and he's sharing what he's learned along the way with us next time on the Flourish to 7 Figures podcast. That's all for today. Take care and flourish.